Prime and back to season seven. I keep wanting to say season five or season six. I cannot believe we're at season seven. But I have had quite a long day, so I'm hoping I don't lose my voice by the end of this video. It's been a full-on filming day, and if you're new here, I have a beauty channel. Uh, well, at this point, it's kind of an all-the-things channel. I do beauty video or beauty content, um, but I also vlog a lot and I am an avid reader, so there's a lot of book content as well. And I also have another podcast now. Shout out to Hella Spooky. Um, so yeah, if you guys ever want to check out those things, um, links should be in the description to find me at other places. But if you are just here for the podcast, I totally get that too. And I still absolutely love researching these cases and coming back and filming and recording these for you. Um, that's why I just have to say, if you do enjoy this podcast, definitely check out Hella Spooky. It is on my beauty channel if you are somebody who is coming from YouTube. But if you just enjoy podcasts and listening, you can also just check out Hella Spooky on all podcast platforms. Um, if you can't find it somewhere, you can let me know. Um, but for the most part, it should be on all podcast platforms now, which I'm super excited about. But Hella Spooky is kind of a branch off of Caffeine and Crime. Every year for October with Caffeine and Crime, I was doing these paranormal places and having spooky season episodes. And I, while I enjoyed it, because I really did, I also kind of felt like it was taking away a little bit from Caffeine and Crime. And while I am still a lighthearted person and I like a good joke and whatnot, I also feel like there is this raw and realness that I do try to bring to this platform because I'm talking about real people, real life experiences, and real life murders. These are not made up stories that I never want that to be taken lightly. I'm always thinking of the victims and their families. So yeah, I wanted to kind of branch away from that because I didn't want it to take away from the true crime. Um, but I still wanted to have that. So if you do want the more lighthearted, can oh, not always lighthearted, but conspiracy theories and haunted stories and um, paranormal places and I mean all kinds of just things. Anything that is spooky is there. So check out Hella Spooky podcast platforms or you can watch it on my beauty channel, Ally Brienne. Today's episode, we are going to be discussing Leah Hickman. And what happened to Leah Hickman? A 21-year-old college student who was so happy with her future plans, she vanished and her body was found a week later. What happened and who could have done this to her? Who would do this to her? Like I said, Leah was 21 years old. She was born in November of 1986 in Leon, West Virginia loved by her parents, Sherry and Ronald Hickman. She went to a Christian school. She loved music and played the trumpet. And she had really good grades. She was very likable um, by not just teachers and staff, but also by other students. She never got in trouble. She was not a troublemaker. In 2005, she graduated 
and moved on for college. And that was Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. She was majoring in journalism, but she had the dream of being a TV news reporter. She didn't want to live on campus, so she moved into a space, like an apartment type area or space, uh, with her sister, Jessica Vickers. In December of 2007, this is a time where MySpace is the rage. And both sisters had a MySpace page that they were very active on. They had their music picked out, they posted their music quotes, um, they participated in all the MySpace fun. And while it's said that the sisters did get along to, to some degree, yeah, I'm sure there was bickering. It's siblings, you know, that's gonna happen. Um, but there didn't seem to have any other conflict between them at the time. But on Friday, December 14th, 2007, Leah was last seen by her sister. Jessica Vickers was 25 years old at the time, sharing an apartment with Leah Hickman, her sister, at the 400 block of 8th Avenue in Huntington, West Virginia. She said that she last seen her sometime that afternoon. And the only other thing we have to go off of of Leah was her last login info from MySpace. Although no time was given, it was said that it was some point in the same day, same afternoon, that Jessica had seen Leah. Phone records show on Leah's cell phone that around 5.40 p.m. she placed a call to a friend saying that she was going to get food from McDonald's, and it's the last call that was in her call log. All incoming calls that night to her went straight to voicemail. And before long, they start receiving the message saying that your voicemail is now full. The next day is December 15th and it is a Saturday. It's morning time and Jessica is at the apartment and realizes that Leah's purse, keys, and car are all still at the residence, though Leah is nowhere to be found. Afternoon comes and around one o'clock in the afternoon, she posts a message to Leah via MySpace on her page. It was very short. It just said, oh sister, where are you? At 5 p.m., Leah does not show up for a scheduled four-hour shift at Dress Barn where she was working on Merritt's Creek Road in Barbersville. She had been working there for five months and her manager, Peggy, said that it she was not this type of person. If she wasn't gonna come in for work, she would call in advance. She would never just be a no-show. It was not a Leah behavior. She said that even if Leah was just a couple minutes late for work, she would call ahead of time and be like, I'm running just a couple minutes late. She was a very good employee and always made sure she showed that with respect of letting people know if she was even just gonna be a couple minutes late. But it wasn't until the next day, Sunday, December 16th, that Sherry Russell, Leah's mother files a missing person report. And this happened around 4.40 p.m. She filed it with the Huntington Police Department. And this is when authorities begin their investigation into what happened to Leah. Over the next couple of days, friends are posting flyers and posts on social media, trying to get the word out that their friend is missing. Police at this time are interviewing people and searching the area of her apartment, looking for any leads on the case. And by Wednesday, her sister is being interviewed by MSNBC, 
concerning her sister's disappearance. Of course, other medias are getting a hold of it and now starting their own stories on it. So information of this missing person report is going everywhere. The same day around 11 a.m., police canvass the entire area of the apartment. So they've already went through the apartment. Now they are searching all around. They're searching abandoned areas. There's interviewing sex offenders that are in the area just to make sure that there's nothing going on there. Absolutely no information whatsoever comes of any of this. They find absolutely nothing. Leah was so loved and so liked. I, I don't think I've ever seen this done in a case, but her employer from Dress Barn actually put out a $10,000 reward for information of Leah's whereabouts. Next day, it's December 20th now on a Thursday and police announce that they are pursuing new leads, but they're kind of being tight-lipped about it. They're not saying too much. And at 6 p.m. that night, friends and family are holding a candlelight visual at the Memorial Student Center Plaza on the campus of Marshall University. Next day on December 21st, it is a Friday. Jessica, Leah's sister, is being interviewed for the second time by MSNBC, um, talking about her sister's disappearance and once again asking anybody if they have seen anything to uh, call the tip line or let somebody know something. And sadly and unfortunately, at the very same time, police find a female body in a laundry room at the apartment building. At first sight and review of the scene, they are pretty confident that it was Leah Hickman, but they of course do not identify her as being Leah. Police forensic units come in and canvas the area again, this time taking a bunch of evidence with them of all surrounding areas. This search continues into the next day as they continue to investigate the surrounding area of the apartment building once again trying to find any leads. Now I couldn't find if and when the police actually contacted the family to let them know that this body was in fact Leah Hickman, but public didn't know that there was any updates. The area around the apartment and the laundry room were blocked off as a crime scene, so I feel like a lot of people had an idea of what was going on and were, you know, the gossip was kind of going around, the talk was going around. And this was December 21st and December 22nd. It wasn't until January 8th, 2008, that news reporters got a hold of the fact that police had found the body and knew the cause of death, but were withholding it from the public. This caused the police to hold a press conference on January 10th, 2008. They confirmed that it was in fact Leah Hickman's body and that the cause of death was strangulation. There are no signs that she was sexually assaulted, they said, and they haven't excluded anyone with regard to suspects in the case. This is still a very active case. They did not believe Leah's murder was a random act and that the person or people responsible for the crime was and were familiar with Leah and where she lived and what her routine or schedule was. Even saying that they had to have been very familiar with the layout of the apartment. 
There was apparently some different DNA tests also in this investigation that they knew the results of, but they were withholding those from the public at that time. And then the case doesn't go cold just yet, but there's no new leads or there's nothing that the police are coming forward with. Because now we are taking a very big jump from January to June of 2008. But of course, she was not forgotten. She was still talked about. Everyone wanted to know what happened to her, who did this to her. And in fact, May of that year, the Leah Hickman Memorial Scholarship was awarded to its first, like its first scholarship. Um, and it was established in honor of her. But six months in, police confirm that it is an active investigation that they've still been working on it, but it is now June 13th. There's still no suspects and they are waiting for results from the latest forensic tests, but they're hoping to provide new insights on the case. And we jump to September of 2008. Police now say DNA forensic testings um, have come back and there's new developments in the case saying there is an individual that we believe was involved. This was said by the Huntington police captain, Steve Hall. He said that in the past eight months, police have interviewed dozens of people trying to still find answers in the death of the 21-year-old Leah Hickman. But he says one name just kept popping up. He said it's an individual that we have contacted and have spoken to. However, this individual keeps coming to the forefront of someone we are particularly interested in. He didn't release the name of the person or persons of interest because he says as of now, there's been no arrest. When asked what they are doing about it at this time, he said that there is even more uh, DNA evidence that they're having sent to a lab in Arizona for testing, but it could be several months until we hear anything. But they are somewhat confident that the results of these certain tests could result in an arrest. He also tried to inform people that they were very serious about this case still and that yes, they really want a quick arrest, but they also wanna make sure that they actually make the right arrest. That's a lot of the public knowledge of like the actual reports, but at this time, do you guys remember topics? Is this even still a thing? I feel like this was just as popular as MySpace. So if you didn't know, you're underneath a rock or you're very young, <laughs> but Topics was a site that you could go in and it was honestly supposed to be like a Craigslist or like, you know, like the, not, not, Facebook marketplace, but like Facebook to where you could be like, you know, I'm looking for so-and-so or, you know, does anybody have this or, you know, or just any type of top topic. That, that's what it is. It's like a message board almost, but honestly, it's like how toxic Reddit is these days. That was what topics was. And you could get on and put in your town and state and see what all the local people are posting but a lot of the time they were by anonymous users fake names you never knew who was what um and they just like reddit these days they get very very nasty and toxic 
And at this time, there was a bunch of people kind of posting back and forth on topics about this case. There was a really long thread and people were wondering if the reason that the police were being so tight-lipped about it was the fact that maybe it was somebody in the family. There was rumors and all of this is not even allegedly because we just don't really have like, you know, this it's just gossip. This is just gossip I'm talking about. But there was talk that maybe her sister could have been involved and her sister's boyfriend it could have been like a double type of ordeal. And I mean, Jesus. I do have one of the threads here. So I'm going to read from some of it. One of the people said, and again, I don't have a name of who this was. This was just an, a person in the area that was gossip, gossiping about it or saying, you know, I heard this and blah, 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 blah. Or I, from the sound of it, it's a local. So she knows a little bit, he or she knows a little bit um, more about this family dynamic. So they said, Jessica had a shady ass ex-boyfriend not the one she was spending her weekends with. The rumor is he used to live in the apartment with Jessica before he was shipped off to Iraq. They broke up while he was gone and Leah or Jessica, one of them, threw all of his crap away. It was stored in the basement. He had just came back from deployment. Leah and him never liked each other at all. Rumor is his arm was injured right after Leah came up missing and he refused to take any lie detector tests. There's also this one. Jessica's sister has a job that requires her to punch in and out for work. There are time punches for when she left and when she returned to work. Leah's last cell phone call was after Jessica returned to work. Jessica is generally a very shy and introverted person, not a people person. So to say, she would generally be very nervous in interview type situations as had been taking place on the networks. She was actively looking for Leah, posting flyers, making phone calls, etc. up until her body was found. She has not been at her job since Leah was discovered missing. And another, there is an ex-boyfriend of Jessica's that lived with her in that apartment for two years. She broke up with him a few months ago. He still has a key to the apartment. He never came and got his stuff from the apartment and it was being stored in the laundry room up until a couple weeks ago when Leah told the police working on the building to throw it out. The crawl space where Leah was found was not just an open area. They were actually small compartments with doors lined up on one side. They were about 18 inches wide. I don't know how deep she was found basically shoved into one of these spaces wrapped in some sort of plastic. Ugh. Tuesday, October 7th, 2008, police say that the DNA laboratory is one of the four of its kind in the United States and has a long waiting list of cases. It's unclear the results of the test will be returned. We hope to have the results of the test soon, but while this is a high priority case for us, it's one of many for this lab. We are at the mercy of the lab before we can proceed much further into the case. He also keeps stressing people that this is not a cold case. Everybody is down their throat, like do something, you know? And while I get that and I understand it and it's very valid for like this family and stuff to be like, and friends to just be like, you know, she was our loved one, like do something about it. 
it is so so tricky with how backed up the labs get it's i wish there is an a faster way but in a lot of cases i do think that there is like people who drag their feet so it is so so good that friends and family are so like eminent about like show us something give us something do something but there's only so much that they can do but I mean, we've seen the cases where nobody says anything and then nothing happens for years. So at least they are pressing the issue. They say that this is a high priority case and will remain as such. It is not a cold case. The case has not been put on the shelf. It's still on my desk and we act on any leads that come in. The physical evidence is the only thing we have to go on that slows up the process. The next year, it's February 24th, 2009, the local paper reports that there is a, I guess, a little bit of an update, not much. It just states that the DNA test is in its final stages. It says that the DNA tests are complete, but the Leah Hickman homicide investigation remains unsolved, despite the best efforts of law enforcement, says Huntington Police Chief Skip Holbrook. No additional tests are underway, but his department is prepared to move forward with additional analysis sometimes in the future. And that is what he said. Investigators had hoped that this DNA, which was, I guess, hair fibers, would identify the killer, but that did not occur. And investigators are left to wait for new technology to be developed so that they can complete more precise testing. He said that he can't emphasize enough that we don't recognize any case as being a cold case and this is something that is a top priority for us. Outside assistance probably lingers as time goes on but as far as forensic evidence analysis and technologies that are developed those things always are important to an investigation. If you think about it we are clearing cases now because of DNA advances that technology didn't exist 10 to 15 years ago. We've come a long way, Holbrook added. And the end of that year, December 12th, almost two years later since Leah Hickman was found and police are asked by reporters and they say the same thing. And very little has come out since 2009. Her father often gives interviews to keep her name and face fresh in everybody's mind and memory um, for the public and locals. Um, but there's been very little done on her case. A small amount of DNA that was found at the crime scene, it's all been tested. It's all been through every process. And even the police are saying, who's to say that six months from now, the technology might be available to test this evidence again. It might be the key to solving this case. But Leah's family and friends are still waiting for that day. While the investigation is still an active one, no one has been charged in this case. And while I hate to file it away with this season of cold cases, that's not my intentions. My intentions with this season is to refresh everybody's memory too, show their faces, their names, and tell their story again to get it out there. Somebody knows what happened to Leah. Somebody does. Somebody just hasn't cracked yet. Somebody hasn't been pushed to that limit yet. It's another super sad case that I am so disappointed that we don't know. And will we ever know what happened to Leah Hickman? Could it have been the sister and the sister's ex-boyfriend? Could it have been a random stranger? 
please don't think so. Could it have just been somebody else, family or friends, that something went down? You, you just never know in these cases. It had to have been somebody who was familiar with her and where she lived, but it's so hard to think about anybody else in the situation doing this to her because she was such a loved and likable person that for me, and this is all allegedly, I just kind of feel like I am leaning more towards the sister's ex-boyfriend because who else would have this agenda against her? I mean, how could it be that big of an agenda? I mean, you've been deployed, you come home, and I mean, your stuff is maybe not stored anymore. I mean, you have to really have some issues if that is a big enough agenda to take someone's life. But I just feel like everything leads to that person since it's like she doesn't really have any other known enemies or anybody targeting her and it wasn't... It's hard for me to think of a stranger because there's no sign of any type of sexual assault or anything like that. Like, why would a stranger do that? and then hide the body in such a way. And I mean, strangulation, that is like a very aggressive way to take someone out. Like you're angry, you're mad. It's a crime of passion. Like it's a, you're showing that rage. You're angry at that person. So yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like there is a suspect. You guys will have to let me know what you guys think. You can find me on Instagram at Caffeine Crime Podcast. We can discuss it there on today's post for the episode or in messages if you want to be more um, private about it. That is perfectly fine too. But yeah, I would love to know your guys' theories or what you guys think on the case or if you have any other details because I did try to dig up as much as I could on this case, but a lot of the articles that I read all kind of aligned and all had a lot of the same information. Man, you know, how toxic topics and MySpace days were. Sometimes I feel like in cases like this, it's kind of like cool to look back on and be like, there was, you know, the true crime armchair detectives were back then on topics like trying to like figure out this case and although a lot of that was probably he said she said and just gossipy things it does draw attention to some people that police weren't really making well known to the public and for locals that's kind of something you want to keep your eye on because although it could have just been like a crime of passion who knows the same person could have it out for other people as well for more details, check out the blog today. There will be photos and other information there. Go um, take a look so that you can have your memory refresh seeing Leah um, and some of the other locations of this case. But yeah, that's today's episode. If you know anything about this case or about what happened to Leah Hickman, you can contact the Huntington uh, police department in West Virginia. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you did, I really appreciate it. Um, and I will be back next week with another episode. Bye.